Today, when we come right back into the word, what a perfect place to be. It's to seek after the Lord. Seek after God. It's, I have on some of them, but seek after the Lord while he can be found. Call on him while he's near, and we will find wisdom and direction from the Lord. Like I mentioned in the call to worship this morning, we had many genealogies before this. Uh, we see an ending a lot of their stories and things. And it's interesting because some of the things when they talk about Isaac's story, they talk about the one that was chosen from God. And he sets it aside. All these guys got gifts and things, but Isaac gets the blessing and things because God designed it that way. God said that's where the blessing is going to come from. This is your firstborn. And he comes from a miracle, right? His mom, Sarah, was 90 years old when she became pregnant and um, got to be with him for 30 to 40 years after that and then went to be the Lord. And then uh, Abraham went to be the Lord after that a little while. And just some really neat stories. And then we get into Genesis chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. It says, this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from the Pan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with Twins. Man, when God answers prayer, he answers prayer, doesn't he? Uh, you're not going to just have one, you're going to have two. So Isaac pleads with God. That's what our first point is this morning, and I put it there because I think this is a great request. Isaac knows that he's, his dad was chosen by God. The blessing has come down to him. He is not having kids. He learned 50 years earlier than his dad that I need to pray to have kids. And it happened, right? He was 40 when he had kids, not nearly as old as his dad, but in his day, that would still be quite old, uh, back in an agrarian um, community where agriculture and, and ranching would be the norm. Um, 40 would be living for a long time. And so he was probably considered an older man, and his alarm bells are going off, and he'd like to see himself with a descendant sooner than his father and his mother. I'm guessing, and he pleads with the Lord. It's the right thing to do. When you know you're in God's will, you plead with the Lord. Say, Lord, this is what you said. Isn't this what you promised? You quote God's scripture back to him, and he's like, yes, yes, I did. I, I remember that. I was just making sure that you remember that. And since you do, um, we will go forward with this plan. So he pleads with God on behalf of his wife, and God opens Rebecca's womb just like he did for his mother. And the Lord answers Isaac's prayer. What an amazing story already, right? I mean, you're barren, and now you're able to have kids. Praise God. It's happened two generations, and you have a testimony already. But their story is just beginning, isn't it? It's just beginning. And, but it comes down to it. Why do some prayers get answers and some do not? Well, I'm here to tell you, ultimately, I don't know. Because I'm not God, okay? I don't know the will of God. I don't know what he has planned for us. I don't know all these things. But what I do know, there are a few things that I can do to ensure that as I walk with Jesus, it can line up with his plan sooner, usually, rather than later.
Okay? Not always, but because there's some. Now, I took the application and I put it all five points on here. Last night, I broke it up and I moved the five points of application. Um, Amy knows me now, good enough. She can just bounce back and forth. Right, Amy? Like, sure. Thanks. I appreciate that. So the first one is uh, number one up there. It says, the first question we need to ask ourselves, are we walking in the will of God? In Isaac's case, we know that he was walking in God's will, right? We see that he's promised that from Abraham to Isaac. He promises Isaac, this is what's going to go on. And he hasn't yet promised this to Jacob yet. Because guess what? Jacob's not born, <laughs> but he will, right? And who does Jacob become? What does God turn Jacob's name into? Israel, right? And that's where we get the Israelites. So this guy is the patriarch. He's the beginning of, he's the father of the patriarchs, right? So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before he starts to make his 12 tribes. And I think that's interesting because it's almost a refining of the people. And if you look at the refining process, I'd have told God, I was like, you might want to refine a different family. These guys aren't the greatest in the world, right? We, we see that Jacob's name even means deceiver. Well, we're going to talk about that this morning because it means something a little bit different than that um, in this passage, okay? So let's get into it. Isaiah 55, 6. It says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Right? I was just talking to somebody this morning, and she was excited about how God's drawing on her heart, and she's uh, drawing on his. And to see what God is doing and working in their life, it's, it's, it's this passage right here. When you seek the Lord with all your heart, then you're going to find him. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, 13. When we, walk, when we are walking in God's will, as we know that Isaac was at this time, God's will, God will hear our prayers. Okay, God always hears our prayers, doesn't he? He always hears our prayers. But generally, um, when we are walking in his will, he will answer in the affirmative, okay? Sometimes he will answer in the wait. I've had that happen before. Um, one, I wasn't ready. Two, um, maybe the church or the people I was praying for were not ready. And But we'll get into the wait. We'll get into God's timing in a little bit here, right? God will answer in an affirming way. Jesus before he talks about prayer in his Sermon on the Mount, he gives this little parable before he talks about prayer. And I think it was interesting. But he's talking about fervent prayer, right? And it says in verse Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, it says, Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Now, does that mean that we don't shouldn't pray for the lost people? No, absolutely not. That's not what it's doing. It's, it's be careful how you pray for them. Sometimes people have to hit rock bottom before they can start coming back up. Okay? And if you keep praying for God's blessing in their life, they're never going to hit that bottom place, right? So ask that God's will be done in their life. And then when that turns around, that God be present in their life to pick them back up. That's not easy prayer to give. It's not an easy prayer to give to sons and daughters 
to um, all different kinds of people, right? And so he goes on, because guess what? It doesn't stop there in the Sermon on the Mount. He keeps going. He keeps preaching. In verse 7, it says, Keep on asking, and you receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your parents, if, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you, your sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? The Lord is quick to answer prayers. You're like, well, I've seen, I've read passages where he wasn't able to answer Daniel for two weeks. Well, I would disagree with that. I would say that the Lord answered Daniel's prayer right away, but it took two weeks for his answer to get back to Daniel because the angel at that time in that passage of scripture had to fight through um, the enemy lines and he had to send the archangel to, to get that angel through. So God answered the prayer right away. Um, but there's a battle that we do not see here on this earth that is waging. And sometimes when we're about to give up, that's when God starts to show up. Because his timing is not our timing, right? I, I always give the illustration of, I always think of Craig's parents. You know, he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for their lifetime. After he became a Christian, he prayed for many, 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 many years. And it just seemed hopeless. And it got to the last weeks and months, right? Weeks, weeks in their life. And you're, I just remember what your dad says. I wish I would have done this sooner. Right? I wish I would have done this sooner. There's, there is a way for a man to live that he thinks is right. But man, when you, get, you study God's word and you see what he has for us, you're just like, wow. I wish I would have made that choice sooner. So there are outside factors that God that throws in there that God's eager to answer our prayers, but there's outside factors that that may not we might not be aware of that we need to factor in to make this path clear for this answer of prayer. Like I mentioned in the Daniel, you know, sometimes Satan has put up opposition against us. Sometimes it's other people's will. Right? Was it Craig's will for his dad to come and accept the Lord? Absolutely. Was it his dad's will? No. So he had to wait until his, he had an understanding with the Lord before he could come to the Lord, right? So we have to wait on other people sometimes. And sometimes it's timing. Sometimes you think things need to happen right away, but other people aren't prepared for it. And maybe your heart is not prepared for it. Maybe you're not qualified for the job. I think a lot of times when I became uh, the senior pastor here, um, in a lot of ways I was ready to do it, but I was not qualified to do it. I know that now, and thank you for your grace. I appreciate that. Um, and I, I think the more and more I get into it, yes, I, I am more qualified than what I used to be, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to arrive, right? You know, I'm always studying God's scripture. I'm always trying to find out uh, what's next. I'm trying to understand 
it better so I can give better counsel, things like that, right? We're always growing. We're always students. And if your pastor is a student of the, the word, then you should be as well. Because I don't know everything, and heaven forbid, but you probably don't know everything either, right? So there's this timing thing that comes along with this, right? We need to keep asking. We need to keep seeking. We need to keep knocking. And we see number two is timing. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, uh, this is a little bit different timing, but we'll bring it back a little bit. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Okay? So that has to do with salvation and when God shows up and when he's doing his thing, right? But I think that applies in the micro as it does in the macro. Okay? In the macro, God's big, big plan that he has for the church, the big plan he has for each one of our lives, also applies in the little plan for our prayers as well. It's God's desire for all to be saved. It's God's desire to answer our prayers most of the time, especially when our wills line up with his wills, right? And we're not talking about big will and little will over here, right? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't pass that one up. I thought of that one last night. His timing's perfect. His timing is perfect. And we think God shows up at the last minute, don't we? We're like, oh, God showed up at the last minute, right at the last minute? No, he didn't. He showed up on time. We were just early for the request. He placed it on our hearts so we would be lining up with his will. Does that make sense? Sometimes it doesn't to me. So he presses in our hearts three months earlier, and he puts a deadline of three months. Well, it gets down to day 88, 89. We're like, okay, God, why aren't you showing up? And then he shows up on 89 and a half, and we're like, whew, just in time, God. He's like, no, I was, I was on time. You were just a little early, right? I put it on your heart early so we can be lined up, so we can be in relationship with one another, so we had something to talk about because you maybe were ignoring me, and maybe not. Maybe you were walking right along with him, right? There's great people of faith where you read their prayers on, um, oh, it's the guy from the orphanage, and I can't remember what his name was, but they're like, they would always go up to him and say, we don't have any food tomorrow, and I was like, well... Now I have something to pray about. And he'd lock himself in the, in the room and pray for four hours. And he'd wake up the next day and there was a delivery of food that would show up on there. And it, it happened over and over and over. And I don't remember the man's name, but it was around D.L. Moody's time. I don't know if it's D.L. Moody, though. Seek the Lord while he can be found. Call on him while he is near. And we will find wisdom and direction from the Lord. Let's look at that as we continue on in Genesis chapter 25, 22 through 26. It says, but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? Good question. And the Lord asked, told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. Your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered in thick hair like a fur coat. 
Talk about indigestion there. So they named him Esau. And then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Okay? What's interesting about this passage and how it is received and written in Genesis, this command or this prophecy is before they are born. The, the sons in your womb will be two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Who told them that? Was it a prophet? Was it them? It was God. God told them that, right? So even if he told Rebecca and didn't tell Isaac, Isaac should probably listen to Rebecca that God said that, right? After that point, the whole story changes because, well, we'll get into that in a little bit here, right? In Isaac's prayer, we have a prayer of desperation. God, you promised this. You promised this. You came in, in that. Rebecca, with her prayer, we have a prayer for wisdom. We have a prayer for discernment. Tell me why this is happening. As she's asking of the Lord's will. And the Lord answered her, right? wasn't anybody else. It was the Lord who answered her. Additionally, is a statement that should have been heeded by Isaac as well. Yet Rebecca follows through with this later on, and the younger will serve the older. She doesn't forget that. Isaac, I think, does. The two, that's my whole last point. That's why I kind of skipped over that, right? So we'll get to that in a little bit. And, and there are two kids. Anytime we see the number two in the Bible, there's usually a division. There's one's going to go one way, one's going to go that way. That's the same that we have here, again, in this passage of Scripture. One of them represents God's way and God's will, but we don't see that right away. We don't see it come out in his life. We see a lot of deception. We see a lot of other things that um, him trying to follow God's will, but he's trying to do it on his own, through his own way, and that doesn't always work. The other represents the way of the world. And I would say, I would call it the wild game. He enjoyed the wild game of Esau that he brought in. There's nothing wrong with wild game or hunting. Okay, that's not what it's saying. So you can't go out and hunt because it says in Genesis chapter 25. That's not what it says at all, right? It's when you put that as a priority over top of God, then it becomes an idol. That is what's wrong. Okay, that can be anything. So I believe that Esau has become, becomes an idol to Isaac. And we see that in verse 23. The sons in your womb will become two nations from the very beginning. The two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve the younger. Isaac should have seen that and realized that he needs to walk in God's will, and he doesn't. He chooses his son Esau. Now, are you ever supposed to have favorites? No, you're not. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too. But... From this point, both parents knew God's will and what it was in this, right? They both knew it. They both heard it, okay? I believe at this point, God, Isaac should have submitted to God's will, and he does not. He leads, which leads to heartbreak at the end of his life when Isaac tries to cut Jacob out of the blessing instead of he is deceived and cuts out Esau. And we'll talk about that soon in the coming weeks. 
So we have this part of the story in verse 26. And then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Okay? And if you see, look at your little asterisk on your Bible, especially the, the Pew Bible. They will tell you that Jacob means deceiver. Well, yes it does, and no it doesn't, right? So we'll get into that. Means deceivers, yes, it kind of does. But is that a great definition of it? Mm, probably not. It says it also means heel, okay, to grab the heel. And in the Hebrew, the heel is thought to be the last thing when you're born. When the heel comes out, the baby is born, okay? When the baby's born correctly, that is correct as well, right? Therefore, Esau was born first, Right, And they would say that Jacob was grasping or seeking the birthright of Esau. So he's grasping for that birthright. Okay, To say that he is deceptive, it might be, but it's more he's going to do whatever it takes to get that birthright. That's a better definition of it. Okay, Whatever he can do to get that to be uh, number one, that is probably a better definition of what Jacob really means, okay? So there is some deception that comes along with that, but that's only part of the picture, right? And we see a great picture of that in Jacob's lifetime. So therefore Esau was born first, and they would say that Jacob grasping or seeking the birthright, it, um, it's what we just said there. So to go after that birthright, it takes a lot of guts. In the Hebrew, you'd say it takes a lot of chutzpah, right? So it takes a lot of chutzpah. And you see that in the Bible. The God honors that. When people have guts or they have that chutzpah to, to ask him some daring questions. Can you think of any daring questions in the Bible? Think of the sons of thunder. His mom, they come up to him and says, can you have one of them stand on your right and one on your left in heaven? That takes a lot of hotspot right there. Um, Moses says, show me your glory. It's more of a statement. Show me your glory, God. I want to see. I want to see what it means. You see this later on in, with Jacob when he wrestles with God. It takes a lot of hotspot. You don't, you don't just do that. It's there. So... This comes out of, um, sometimes it comes out of a lack of humility, but when it comes out of humility, wow, God can really work with that person, okay? Right now, it's not so much we're looking at the humility. We see throughout Jacob's story how he is brought low. When he's brought low, what does God do to him? He changes his name, doesn't he? Changes his name to Israel. And when he changes his name after God changes his name to Israel. He has a different attitude. He comes, becomes very humble. He becomes very um, moldable in God's hands. So when, he, when God finds that humility and Jacob finds that humility, God is able to lift him up. On the other hand, we see how Esau is foolish and squanders his wealth through quick and rash decisions. So when we pray, we go back to number three, obedience. It says in Matthew chapter five, this is the Beatitudes, verse six, it says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, 
That's what it says in the New Living. It also means righteousness, right? Hungers and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. When you have the guts to go after God with all your heart, then you will be satisfied. When you ask God, when you seek him, you'll find me. When you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. And it, it's not like I'm going to seek God all day today. I didn't find him. I just give up. No, that, it, it usually takes about 30 days of you seeking God. And I think the closer you get to God, the longer you got to seek before that, the next thing pops. It's kind of like I always attribute this to like a magician, right? When I'm learning how to play, play the guitar, I learn the note G and then C and then D. And then I'll go to my wife and I'll go about that fast and say, what song is it? And she'd be like, I don't know. Uh, chicken scratch? <laughs> she didn't say that, but you could tell she was thinking it, right? Um, and then I come back about a month later and the chords are flowing so much faster. And she's like, oh, I can kind of recognize that song. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I was playing a month ago. And she's like, no, you weren't, <laughs> right? But that is when we walk with Jesus in obedience, we start off with this chicken scratch kind of faith, and when we walk it continually, we can do it and see it flow through us more immediately, and when that happens, God shows up in a mighty way. And that's what we have. In 2 John 2.6, it says, Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning where was the beginning was the gospel of john gospel of john was written first then second john was written probably third right and then revelation is written after that all by the same author and he's like uh you guys want a new commandment here's a new commandment love one another love god love others and he's like that's not a new commandment yeah i know but you don't do it very good and so if you do it it'll act like it's brand new yay <laughs> That's a Shane House paraphrase of what John's letter says. Uh, when we are walking with the Lord, it is easy for our will to line up with his, isn't it? When you are walking in his ways, when you are studying God's word, when you're seeking his, the answer from him, our will naturally comes alongside his, and it will be easy to pray for those requests to come through and to fruition and say, yes, I will give you that because our will lines up together. Okay, so it, there's take some from the beginning, our part, to be able to get it on the backside. So our requests will line up with him and they will be answered more clearly. Also, clean and humble hearts. I switched it. This is number five up there. It's number four. My notes, James chapter 4, 7 through 10 says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. But it hurts. I'm getting slandered in this community. I'm getting told that something that's not true. Humble yourself, and God will lift you up in his time. 
Reputations can be destroyed in seconds. Character can never be destroyed unless you allow it. Right? Reputation can be destroyed from the outside. Character can only be destroyed from the inside only if you allow it to be. Matthew 5, 5 says, God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth. That is talking about salvation. When you submit and surrender to the Lord our God, then he will lift you up in time and you have an opportunity to inherit the whole earth. What are we talking? We're talking about the new heaven, the new earth, right? When we submit to God, there are trials and rewards. Seek the Lord while he can be found. Call on him while he is near, and we will find wisdom and direction from the Lord. Let's finish this up. Genesis chapter 5, 27 through 34. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game. Esau brought home but Rebekah loved Jacob one day when Rebekah or when Jacob was cooking some stew Esau arrived home with the wild from the wilderness exhausted and hungry Esau said to Jacob I'm starved give me some of that red stew this is how Esau got his other name Edom which means red all all right Jacob replied but trade me your rights as firstborn son look I'm dying of starvation Esau said what good is my birthright to me now. So Jacob said, First you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as a firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, and they got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. The last point I have is squandered wealth and quick decisions. This is what we see out of Esau. And it's not just me that sees this. It's in uh, Romans chapter 9 and Hebrews, I think, 12 and 13. I'm not 100. I know it's in 11 too when it talks about it as well. So those chapters, it, it talks about it as well, right? Isaac loved Esau because he liked the wild game. Rebekah loved Jacob. And that's all it puts there, right? Why? Well, we got to go back. Why did Rebekah love Jacob? Jacob, because God told her to. God said he's going to be the one that's going to be in charge of the household. He is, the younger is going to serve the older. That's how it's going to be. Rebecca is following God's commandment. We like to get hard on Rebecca in this, or I used to. I always be like, well, that's not cool. She's being very deceptive to Isaac, but she's doing it because Isaac wasn't listening to God. Isaac was chasing his wild game. He was chasing the things of this world. And on the surface, we see a good principle to live by. First, don't have a favorite kid. I guess maybe unless God tells you to have a favorite kid, <laughs> right? Um, and I don't think that's what it means. It doesn't mean that Jacob should be your favorite. Jacob should get everything. It just means that Jacob is going to get um, God's blessing. And that's how it's going to be designed. It happens a lot in scripture that the second um, comes about that way. I don't take that as, I'm the second uh, son in my family. I don't go to my brother and say, well, God's going to give me that blessing. No, I, I don't expect that. It might not be in God's will, right? I don't point to this passage. That would be uh, isogening the, the text, right? That's not what I do, okay? 
So this principle is this specific family, right? Don't have a favorite kid. Uh, what a child does, what is right with the Lord, you honor that child. Um, when they don't exalt, you don't want to exalt a, another child over one over the other. What you can do is encourage the other children and help them search out the plan God has for them, right? So what if you didn't go to college? So what if you don't want, know what you want to do when you grow up? I'm still not sure what I want to do when I grow up, right? Um, I, I always look at this job and I'm like, man, I got so lucky to be a, a pastor sometimes. And sometimes I'm like, man, I'm so lucky to be a pastor, right? But it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing. I love this job. And I can be me. You guys get it from the pulpit. I am pretty vulnerable uh, in what I struggle with. And I think that's biblical because it shows you that I'm not perfect. I am not God. God is God. He deserves the praise. He deserves the honor. I'm a conduit, and I push that praise up to him. And when I'm not doing that, I'm doing wrong because that's what Satan did. right? He stopped that right here and says, hey, that praise can just siphon off to me. That's not right. I feel that this is what Rebecca is doing. She is looking at Jacob. She is trying to encourage him. It says, but Rebecca loved Jacob. It doesn't mean that this was a divided house because of Rebecca. It means that she was following God's plan for the family of what she was doing. She was listening to God. He was willing, she was willing to obey the Lord with her whole heart while Isaac allows the things of this world to influence him, a.k.a. his stomach. He liked the wild game. I like the way it tastes. I like the fact, I like to hear the stories on how he got it. And that can corrupt a man's heart. So that brings us to this question. What is your wild game? What are you chasing after that's not of God? What do you need to turn around? What's wrecking your life? What's maybe about to wreck your life? Because it's not honoring God. What seeks to become an idol in your life? Is it power? Is it wealth? Is it sex? Those are the big three, aren't they? They've taken down kings. They took down King David, take down King Solomon. They can take down me, surely. The wisest man in the world, I can't compete with that. And you're like, amen, you cannot. <laughs> Woo. But there are, these are, how are these threatening you? Where, do you crave power? Do you understand that you crave uh, wealth and sex? Well, I don't. I, I, I crave affections. Well, that might be a, the, the way um, a gal might say it, right? Us men, we crave sex, right? That's the hard truth of it. Wow, didn't beat around the bush there, did you, Pastor? Nope. So which one are you struggling with? Is it a different one at a different time? Right? Confess these things. When you get those out and things, that's why we have men's group, right? Next Saturday, that's why we have men's group. Because when you confess those things, how much power do they, it just gets rid of. It's just like, wow, that was pretty awesome. Um, that's a weight off my shoulder. Now that I have somebody else carrying that with me, right? Did I burden them down? Not necessarily. That was more my burden. But it just dispersed over these 12 guys or these seven guys that we had last week. And it's like, wow. That was amazing. And now I can walk um, 
on the same level because we're not, there's nobody special. Nobody that has arrived, unless you're talking Jesus, right? He's the only one that's done. And so if we walk as Jesus walked, yeah, we might be able to do that. But we can't do that forever because we're sinful people. So we surrender to him. We confess to others. That helps. What's the next part of the story? Well, we like to get down on Jacob, I think. We like to say, how could he do that to his brother? He stole his birthright. But I have a little bit, I give a little bit of grace to Jacob because I try to look at it from a different point of view and it was pointed out to me uh, through Baruch a little bit. Um, look how quickly Esau gave up that birthright. Look how fast he was over lentil soup for crying out loud. Okay? He was starving. Jacob was making this soup. Guess what? Who was the favorite son of his father? Esau was. Why did he go to Jacob's tent? He smelled this, the food. You know, if he would have went to the kitchen, he probably could have got some bread. It's not like he made the bread right there in front of him. They had stuff on hand. He was impulsive, and he was, wanted what he wanted, and he wanted it now. That's like a definition of Shane sinning right there. <laughs> right? And so he was, okay, you can have it. Flippantly. It didn't bother him then, but it bothered him. It bothers him later on, right? Yeah. Yes. And he's make him swear it, right? It's pretty wow. So he sells his birthright for a bowl of soup and some bread. And I half wonder if Jacob realized how rash his brother was. I wonder if Jacob's like, dude, he's going to give this to one of the the locals down the way and he's just going to sell his birthright to him and pretty soon we're going to be selling to him or our head servant's going to have him. If I don't do something now, um, we're going to lose this forever. Now, God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need you to come alongside and say, well, Jacob, I'm glad you did that for me because I didn't know how I was going to handle that. Right? God never says that to me, just so you know that. He never says that to your pastor. He's not going to say to you, oh, thanks, Pastor House. Uh, wasn't sure I was going to handle that situation. Usually, if I have a situation to handle, it's probably because I screwed up in the first place, right? And so if I humbly seek him like we had earlier in our things, then we will know that um, my story will line up with God's story, and I will walk as Jesus walked, okay? Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's 1 John 2.6. So I wonder if he ha happened that. But I'm, I also want to caution you, don't try to help God. It doesn't work. Okay? Close yourself in Christ. And instead, close yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. That's the last verse of that Romans 13. Go ahead and read 11 through 13 for your homework. And see what it lines up with. And then it says, instead, close yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about these things. Okay. Clothe yourself with Christ. Time is short. I meditated on that this week. Because we say time is short. As you always look back in your life, you're like, man, it just seems like it was yesterday. It seems like yesterday I was hanging out with my friends from high school. It seems like yesterday my kid was just being bored. It just seems like yesterday that my 
insert blank here. But I think it's shorter than that. When it says, um, there's a the song a song I listen to and I can't remember what it is. It says when your time is short means just just means that the time is now. And I think it's a DC talk song. It dates me a little bit, but that's all right. Um, what what do they mean by that? So I meditated on that. And this is what I've come to the conclusion on. There's times in our life that God prods our heart, isn't there? There's times in our life when God comes along and says, you need to change here. You need to work on this. You need to do this. And you can feel the Holy Spirit prodding your heart to, one, accept him, accept the gift of salvation that he has, and two, change our ways so that we can walk into sanctification, which means walk toward holiness, walk toward being like Jesus, right? So to say the time is short means those times only come in little snippets, and they may only come for minutes of that day. And then we ignore them. We blow them off. And that is called quenching of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. We want to acknowledge that he is working on our lives, close ourselves with Christ, ask for forgiveness. Lord, I see that's where you want me to go. I can't do this by myself. Isn't that quite, takes a lot of guts to say that statement, doesn't it? And not to the people in the room, not to God. It takes a lot of guts to say that to ourselves. Say, I want you to change me. Wow, that takes some chutzpah right there. Let's take off our old self and put on the new. Anytime you're working on getting rid of something in your life, you always need to put on something that will fill it with righteousness. Right? I'm working on my anger. I'm going to fill it with patience and long-suffering. Oh, boy. Right? That's when you work on patience, by the way. Right before you blow up or right after you blow up. Then you work on your patience. Uh, acknowledge what you've done is wrong. And then you walk and say, what can I do to make it right? Right? That's, that's true. Uh, just saying you're sorry means I got caught. Right? Ask for forgiveness is you could either say I'm sorry or will you forgive me? What can I do to make it right? Because you're you're working on paying restitution, and you could say, well, God um, doesn't need restitution. You're right, He doesn't. But your man-to-man relationships a lot of times do, and that is important to do. What can I do to make this right? So last application point: when we pray. We need to pray with an undivided heart. We need to pray with an undivided heart. James 1, 5 through 8 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Okay, this is right after he just said, um, you're going to endure suffering, and have it with joy. And then he goes into this passage, okay? Um, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, which is awesome. We have that promise. God's not going to rebuke us when we ask him when we, in that act of surrender. But when you ask him, make sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person who is divided loyalty is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Wow. That is, James, man, I wish you would just tell me plain. I wish you would just say it clear because I, I don't understand what you mean by that. James doesn't beat around the bush when it comes to faith, right? He, he like grabs a two by four and says, hold still, it's going to hurt, <laughs> right? Why? Why would he do that? James is the half-brother of Jesus. He walked through his life saying, you are not the Messiah. You are not the Messiah, Jesus raised from the dead. You're definitely the Messiah. How could I not see it? That is James, right? So he ain't beating around the bush for anybody else. I denied him for so long while he was on this earth. And now um, I can see that he's clearly God. Don't let your heart be divided. Mine was, don't let it happen to you. What is chasing after your heart, folks? What is, what is that wild game, as I brought it up before? What is pressing on you that is dividing your loyalty between the Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps a little bit his church, and something else? Can the church divide you from Jesus? It can too, right? What do you need to work on? Because we all need to work on something, right? Seek the Lord while he can be found. Call on him while he is near. And we will find wisdom and direction from the Lord. And I could even put when we seek him with an undivided heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us when we chase after our wild game. Forgive us when we... Um, long for something else besides us, besides what you have for us. I mean, Lord, set my pride aside, destroy it. I pray that I would be able to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord, I pray that I'd have a longing to reach out to this neighborhood for your glory, for your will. Lord, forgive me when I turn to the right and to the left. Draw my heart back into the place it needs to be so I can see where your path is. Give me that lamp unto my feet. Lord, remind me of the destination of heaven or where I'm going to so I don't stray away from your word, your commands, and your love. Lord, I pray that I would then reflect your love and be like the moon to the sun and reflect the sun, Jesus Christ, around I'm going to close with the disciple-maker's prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and to love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, Transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, who loves people, who makes disciples, who makes more disciples of Jesus Christ. Ad infinitum. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.